What's cracking, big dogs? Welcome, bike, to thy channel. Welcome, bike, to the headquarters. My name is Nicholas. This is BDGE. Big dogs got to eat fantasy football. You can text me at 646-328-6601 for some nudes, for some late night you up texts, whatever you want. Hit me up on there. Maybe I'll answer you. Maybe snacks will answer you. Maybe animal will answer you. Maybe no one will fucking it. Maybe we'll ghost you because we're testing your resiliency. Y'all are testing my resiliency because we're all the way into week 11 now. Week 11, fantasy football is here. Waiver wire. Recap. We're recapping week 10. We're talking waiver wire week 11. Okay. So here's what we're doing. We're going to break down the injuries. We're going to break down pickups. We're going to do titty or committee. Everyone's new favorite segment. Literally no one has told me that that's their favorite segment, but I'm just going to say that it's your favorite segment because it's got the word titty in it. And we'll look, uh, maybe I'll, I'll go some game by game action at the end of it. But it's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day, not because it's actually beautiful, but we got a lot going on here. What do we got? We have a new episode of Why Yelling just dropped. So if you haven't been listening to the Why Yelling podcast, I don't know what you're doing besides yelling. New one today and new one yesterday. We got fucking bike to bike days in this. That's exciting. What else we got? We had a vlog drop last night while y'all were waiting for Sunday night football. Y'all are not here for any of that shit. So without further ado, we're going to tuck our shirts in. I want everybody behind their keyboards right now watching. Tuck your shirt in. Tuck thou shirts in. Stop yelling. And we shall eat. We shall eat together. So we're going to start with the injuries. And it wasn't really, not a real big injury week. Not a huge injury week compared to like the last 10 weeks. Because every other week has been a massive injury week. That's the only thing that fucking happens. Is people get injured. And everything else is based off of that. So we'll see what we have to work with here. Found out prior, prior to the week that David Johnson was put on IR because of the concussion. Now, Duke Johnson filled in. And... Here's the thing. I'm not going to take too much away from this game because the weather was out of control. They literally, literally was not in their control. They had to go into the locker room before the game, and the game was delayed because it was way too crazy in Cleveland. So that being said, yes, it usually produces more fantasy goodness from running backs. On the other side of the ball, it did. But for uh, for Duke Johnson, it didn't. And, and I tweeted out something prior to the game where I was like, you know what? I've literally never seen Duke Johnson do anything that's um, that's impressed me on an NFL field. I think I might have talked about this last week. And he went 14 for 57 on the ground. He saw one target. And that's kind of disappointing because we think of Duke as like a good pass catcher. But I've also talked about this. Like anytime a good pass catching running back gets to take over the starting role, for some reason they just don't get passing work anymore. I don't know why it happens. But what what is encouraging, now that it's, you know, bike to normal weather, normal games and shit, I think Duke will be a lot more dependable going forward with David Johnson still out, okay? He had the single target next two weeks. They play at home against New England, which is both a good matchup and probably good weather in Houston, and then against Detroit, okay? So Duke will be fine keeping in your lineup going forward as an RB2, despite a shitty, 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 Shitty game in this one. Okay. Jermichael Hasty. Jermichael Hasty broke his collarbone. Now, Jermichael Hasty, it's like 
Does it matter? It's the next guy up. Pour him up, drink him down. San Francisco backfield. That's what we get here, okay? They have a bye in week 11. They got a bye in week 11. Raheem Mostert should be back in the lineup following week 11. They did not put Tevin Coleman on the IR. So that suggests that he could and or should be back for week 11. Week 12, probably the latest. Uh, so Hasty, DeMichael Hasty, basically had a broken collarbone metaphorically regardless of what happened in real life. Because he wasn't escaping Mostert's stranglehold on that backfield when he's healthy regardless. Didn't matter. Whatever. Get well soon, Jamichael. Feel free. Broken collarbone. Can't imagine that feels good. John Brown, ankle. Uh, I'm not really sure the significance of his injury. I believe it could be something less serious that's just a week or two that'll keep him off the field. He had a good game, and it sucks because he's had back-to-back good games now. He finally kind of got healthy. And let me check if we've got anything like breaking on his latest news besides his fucking ankles for the 37th time. If John Brown just sustained an injury to his deltoid ligament, uh, then Brown can return a lot sooner based on... uh, It's possible that John Brown is looking at a rare aversion ankle sprain. Unfortunately, these injuries are often associated with fractures due to the awkward outward bending of the ankle. If there's a fracture, Brown will be out around six weeks. No fracture, one to two weeks. So we don't have word on what exactly the injury is yet. So it could be like a low ankle sprain. It could be something I don't know the technical word for. Um, But here's here's what we're going to assume. We're going to assume he's out one to two weeks. If it's a fracture, again, out six-ish weeks. And that will probably be into like the fantasy playoffs. Great news for Stefan Diggs owners. Great news for Cole Beasley owners, which is very few and far between. But at this point, I think Cole Beasley is actually a really, really solid waiver wire pickup because we've seen him produce while in the two games John Brown actually missed this year, Cole Beasley's averaged 11 and a half targets. And he's been productive in the games where John Brown's either like left early or he's clearly hobbled or acting as a decoy. So I I like Cole Beasley going forward uh, if John Brown is going to miss some time. It's a downgrade for Allen because Allen looks weird every time John Brown's not on the field. Um, But yeah, I'd pick up Beasley if I could. Then we have Mr. Drew Brees. We've got Mr. Drew Brees. He has the rib contusion or fracture or something. He played through it in the first half and then realized that he could not go in the second half. Couldn't go in the second half. We'll have the MRI today, so we'll know more in a little bit. It's not expected to be a long-term injury, uh, possibly even ready for next week against Atlanta. But then Ian Rappaport came out and was probably lying. Uh, he was, you know, he said, could possibly maybe miss some time. I'm like, okay, like I could possibly be an NFL player and maybe miss some time also. So not really a lot of clarification there. So it's Jameis Winston time, if that is the case. He plays the second half. Honestly, football is just a better place. It's just a better place when Jameis Winston is on the field, as long as he's not on your fantasy team. It's it's fun to watch Jameis Winston, Winston fucking flail around and throw touchdowns, and throw picks, and just become a fucking mess. You never, ever know what you're going to get out of Jameis Winston. It's an absolute grab bag. Now, their next three games, Atlanta, Denver, Atlanta. Juicy matchups for a passing offense. But again, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a serious thing. Now, here's where we want to look at it, right? Like, on paper, on paper, it looks like this is a super juicy matchup, right? Perfectly cooked fucking Winston chicken matchup against Atlanta, when we dive a little bit deeper, here's what we're looking at. These are the second half play calls. This is Winston yesterday, right? The New Orleans Saints, second half play calls with Winston at quarterback. I have no doubt that the matchup is fantastic. And I have no doubt that the upside of Jameis Winston is throwing for a zillion yards in this one, right? Here's here's where I get nervous, though. When you look at the actual play calls, almost everything was 
to their running back. You had 13 runs. There's a total of 31 plays plus three kneels at the end, which I obviously didn't count. You have a total of 13 runs to running backs, which is 42% of the plays under Winston. You have two sacks. You have three passes to the running back. And you have six Taysom Hill snaps in which he was the quarterback. And then you have seven passes to non-running backs. So of the 31 plays, you have seven of those, 23% of them being actual passes to wide receivers or tight ends. So my problem with, with Jameis Winston is you know, you know Taysom. You know Taysom's getting his vig of 20%. Like he's going to be on the field if Breeze is not there. They're going to run fucking a bunch of ignorant plays for Taysom Hill. And it's just going to be part of their game plan. So you're looking at a quarterback who is now not 100% fantasy quarterback, but 80% of himself as a fantasy quarterback, which has to move him down the rankings a little bit. And then you're looking at a guy who's going to throw, like their offense just runs through the, through the running backs. And you want to talk about, Sean Payton having trust in a quarterback, like does he trust James Winston to lead this offense, to lead this passing offense? I doubt it. I mean, he can't fucking trust him any more than Drew Brees, and Drew Brees already throws the ball to his running backs on like 35% of his fucking targets. So I'd imagine this is going to be like Kamara. It's going to catch like 17 balls instead of his usual like 13. So I don't know. I'm 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 going to be lower on consensus. Like obviously everyone's going to look at the matchup on paper and be like Jameis Winston against Atlanta, top 8 quarterback, whatever. I'm going to be lower on consensus cuz we know Taysom's going to dive too much into it and I don't think they're going to just let Jameis throw the ball a thousand times. Like they didn't do it in the second half yesterday and uh, their game plan will be extremely heavy on the ground and involving their running backs. Now, Taysom becomes interesting not at the fucking quarterback position, but if he is available in your league at the tight end position, I know he's not in Yahoo, he's not in Sleeper, but he is on like DraftKings or and or FanDuel, which is just fucking egregious. I don't know, like he's not a fucking tight end. Like, why why is he listed? If anything, he'd be like a running back or a wide receiver. Why would he be a tight end? It makes no sense. It makes no just because his fucking biceps are big. You put him at tight end and not wide receiver. I don't fucking know. But if he is available at tight end on your platform, I would play him and I would play him fucking confidently. Because at this point, I mean, he's going to get rushing yards. He'll probably end up scoring a touchdown. At this point, there are like three tight ends in the league, three fantasy tight ends that can guarantee you a workload week over week. And Taysom Hill is now one of those guys. Like, even if he needs to be efficient on it, or even if he's not actually catching passes or anything, he's going to have plenty of rushing yards. He's going to play plenty of plays from the quarterback position, which is going to be passing yards, going to be running yards, they're going to fucking throw him out out wide for a wide receiver. So, I, I mean, he's going to be ranked really highly in the tight end position if your platform allows that to be a thing. What else do we got? We got some quarterbacks going down and getting hurt. We got Matt Stafford with a thumb. They're optimistic about it over there in Detroit. They say he'll be limited at practice, but probably ready to go for week 11. Monitor that. Teddy Bridgewater suffered an MCL sprain on Sunday. Sources said that he is considered day-to-day. Pretty good news, depending on the swelling. He can maybe go in week 11. Looks like C-Mac is going to be out. Looks like C-Mac is going to be out, which is a fucking shame because they get to play the Lions, and now we have to waste a fantasy matchup against the Lions where there's no more C-Mac. Now, this becomes a problem, and this is what I was talking about in last week's rest of season rankings video where I had C-Mac down at like running back 10 or 11, and I updated those rankings today. I updated the, I think I included the top 40 now. The top 40 rest of season running back rankings which is available on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash BDGE. Uh, if you text me though, if you text me on this number and you just ask for C-Max ranking, I will give you his singular rest of season running back ranking, 
say whatever you want. You can say hi. You can say no. You could say hello, sexy. You could say C-Mac me, you bitch. And uh, I'll just reply with like running back, whatever he is. He moved far. He moved far down because here's the problem with C-Mac. They said it's going to be a multiple week injury, a multi-week injury. In case you can't see the number. Uh, the multi-week injury, he just missed this week. He's basically all but ruled out already for week 11. If they're talking about multi-week injury now, right? Like you wouldn't say this, we're preparing for it to be a multi-week injury. If you already had one of the two weeks played, you're, you're more so suggesting to the fact that going forward, we're going to miss more multiple weeks. That's a problem because C-Mac has a buy in week 13. The Panthers have a buy in week 13. So he misses week 11, considering it's a multiple week injury. 11, if he misses 12, that means he also misses 13 because that's a buy. You might not have C-Mac bike into your fucking lineups until week 14. At that point, the Panthers might legitimately be whatever the record, 4-10 and 10 or some shit. And at that point, do you even suit Christian McCaffrey back up to play? Right? You're a shitty team. You just paid him a zillion dollars. Do you want to push it? Do you want to risk an off-season shoulder surgery or an injury like that? I don't know, man. It's a really risky, risky, risky proposition. So, C-Mac, I got a question today from somebody, I think on Twitter, like 10, 15 minutes ago, saying that uh, his team is rolling right now, and he's basically all but secured the first-round buy. So, he's probably going to have a first-round buy. And he has C-Mac on his team, which is fucking incredibly impressive, first of all. So shout out to you. But he wants to know what to do. He wants to know, like, should he move him? Because if he has a first round bye, that would put him into week 15. And by that time, Christian McCaffrey should be back. Like, it's really tough to say. I wouldn't give him up unless you're getting, I don't know, unless someone's like kind of ignorant to the whole injury makeup and they don't know he's got a bye week still coming up or something. I'm probably, if I'm in your position, just because you're looking so good right now, like you won't be playing until week 15. If Christian McCaffrey does get back, he'll be fucking amazing and he'll probably win you a championship. Um, so that being said, yeah, I, I would probably, if you have the buy locked up, and you don't really have to worry about things until week 15. I'd probably hold on to C-Mac. I would say it's, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know the severity of the injury, but like, I don't, I don't think it's going to be something that they shut them down for. I mean, listen, these players advocate to play. They're football players. They want to play. You think Christian McCaffrey is going to get back and, and get to 100% health in week 14 and then be like, yeah, just sit me down for the next four weeks? It's another month. He basically missed the entire season. And again, I mean, you could do worse things than just get fucking taken care of by Olivia Culpa, who, by the way, has a younger sister. There might there might be a debate there. There might, there might just be a debate for the queen. I forget what her fucking name is, though. Olivia, Sandra, Natalie. I made both of those up. I have no idea what they are. I'm sure some of you creeps fucking follow her, including myself in there. Now, Tay Bridgewater. If he is out and he can't play, we're going to get this kid PJ Walker in place. Now, PJ Walker was a four-year player at Temple. Played well. He was uh, a star of the XFL. Rest in peace. Really fun game. I remember the one game we went to. Got absolutely shit-faced. Animal made a fool of us. Uh, the parking lot was rowdy as fuck. It felt like a it felt like a high school state championship game, kind of. It was it was craziness. It was craziness. And uh, we tried to get in touch with people at the XFL and be like, "Yo, just you know, we'll make vlogs and come to your games." And like eight bazillion people will see how much fun it is. Like, just give us free tickets. 
You're basically just giving us like $30 worth of tickets for all this exposure and just no one ever got back to me. That doesn't make fucking sense. What are companies doing? What are companies doing? Like think big. I bet you, listen, if the XFL took that offer, they'd probably still be around today. I could say that because you can't prove me wrong. PJ Walker. I don't know. He offers a little bit more mobility, but like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't want this to be misconstrued, but people don't know who PJ Walker is. They're going to look at him. They're going to be like, oh, he's black. He's probably mobile. He's not that mobile. He doesn't rush for a lot of yards. So I'm just saying what people are thinking. Okay. I'm here to give you practical fucking advice. Uh, I think in his XFL games, like his, his high of rushing yards in a game was like 20 to 30 yards, maybe. Um, so yeah, he's like pretty much a pocket passer and I don't really get excited about the floor version of a dude who's already a floor quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater has been playing really well lately too. So I don't know. There's just, I'm not, I'm not too excited about PJ Walker, but obviously, you know, if you're in a super flex league, quarterbacks are tough to come by. You're going to want to pick them up off your wire and see what, what comes of it. But the uh, MCL sprain is not supposed to be too serious for Teddy Bridgewater. All right. Let's talk about committees. Let's talk about some titties, and let's talk about motherfucking DeAndre Swift, okay? DeAndre Swift, I literally wrote in on my notes, he's got like 32 exclamation points next to him. DeAndre Swift is here to stay. Here's what we're going to do, though. Before we do that, I'm going to fuck this up. Share screen, video file. We are, nope. There you go. So you get my committee titty. Hey, monkey knife fight. Listen, listen, this game's going to be probably fucking brutal. The bears are brutal to watch. Anyone going against the bears defense usually ends up looking pretty fucking brutal, but we're looking at it. It doesn't, doesn't mean we can't make the revenue. doesn't mean we can't smash on the player games on monkeyknifefight.com. So here's the way I'm looking at it. There, were, there was some good stuff about Allen Robinson that I wanted to just absolutely smash right now, okay? So we have, ooh, they moved the passing yards down to 234, from 235 to 229. I don't like that. That's around right where I probably would have given Kirk. Considering, let's see, Kirk, 15 and a half. Allen Robinson, 15 and a half. Dalvin Cook, 20. I don't like that. I think that's too high for him to be going against the Bears. I tweeted out Dalvin Cook's uh, numbers against the Bears the last three games, and they are, sh they are fucking absolute poop I think we're gonna roll with I think we're gonna roll with uh this one okay so we have Kirk Cousins more or less than 229 passing yards we have Allen Robinson over under 70 and a half so we're definitely going with the over on Allen Robinson and uh what's his injury status look like I'm pretty sure no one was really worried about it I think we'll be fine and this is a beautiful beautiful matchup to attack here and then Kirk Cousins I wish the number was still at 235 because two of the last three games against the Bears, he had gone under that number. And if you look at what he's done this year, he's had some big games, but they've all been against terrible, terrible pass defenses. Um, it's like Atlanta, Seattle, Dallas. Like those are the games that he's had big games in and playing against good defenses, Indy and those guys, he's always struggled. He struggled really, really tough this year. And, and spotlight Kirk under the spotlight is definitely not a good fucking combination. With David Montgomery out though, they might look to pass a little bit more. I'm still going the under. I don't fucking trust Kirk for a second. You can't, you can't fucking fool me, Kirk. That stupid fucking smile. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take the over on Al Robinson, 70 and a half passing receiving yards, under 229 and a half passing yards for Mr. Kirkland. 
Cousins. I wonder if his real name is Kirkland. Definitely not. I feel like he would actually go by Kirkland if it was. So monkeyknifefight.com. This will net you $70, actually 90. You get your 20 back and then you'll win 70 off this if we hit both of these. You are three and a half Xing your money, okay? And you're actually seven Xing your money because, because when you deposit on Monkey Knife Fight and you throw any amount of money up to $50 using the promo code BDGE, BDGE, they're going to double what you put down. Therefore, if you throw down 20, they'll give you 40 and you could put 40 on this and make about a zillion dollars. Okay. Where are we at? There we are. There I am. Nobody missed me, but I'm bike. We are bike. All right, let's fucking go. DeAndre Swift, baby. This game felt different for Swift. I know I've come on here a bazillion times and I'm like, Swift is here. Swift is here to stay. Swift is bike. He had a good game and he doesn't have a good game. This one felt different because they came out pregame. They came out pregame. The Lions, the Lions shithole of an organization came out pregame and said, I can't be talking. I'm sorry. I'm a Falcons fan. Don't take that shit personally. I just have like a deep and integrated anger within me that I, any chance I get to fucking take a shot at another franchise, shithole Lions, the shithole Lions came out prior and were like, DeAndre Swift is going to be the starter for this game. He's our guy in the backfield, okay? And they didn't need to do that. This didn't need to be a thing. They could have just went about their day and been like, we're splitting the snaps like usual. We're going to do our typical horrible fucking coaching and not give DeAndre Swift the touches. But no, we're going to come out. We're going to make a proclamation, right? Like the fucking Independence Day people. A proclamation of independence of DeAndre Swift from the other fucking guys in the backfield that stink. And they did so. And they fucking did so. There was a changing of the tide yesterday, and it feels like it's going to go forward because they acknowledge it beforehand, and then they actually follow through with what they said. Okay? Y'all feel me? Y'all understand what I'm saying here? This is an emotional, this is a gut feel right now. 16 carries, 81 yards on the ground. Caught five of five targets, 68 yards, and a touchdown through the air. 149 yards from scrimmage. For the king, DeAndre Swift. Okay? AP, four carries for 21 yards. Carry on, one carry, zero targets. Let's bring up the numbers. Let's bring up the dancing lobsters. All right, so we see this. Let me make this nice and big for you. And a bunch of y'all are fucking senile and can't read. Swift played on 73% of the snaps, right? Other than him outproducing the shit out of those other backs and getting way more touches, the snaps were huge because it, it had, sometimes he'd get like 15 to 16 touches, but still be playing on like 40% of the snaps. Not the case. DeAndre Swift played on 73% of the snaps. AP 16, carry on 17. He lined up out wide on a season high six snaps, which leads to targets. He did not play on kick return for the first time since week two. They're getting him out wide. They're getting him off special teams and they are feeding him the fucking ball. This is just, I can't, I couldn't wake up to a more beautiful sight than, than what happened with DeAndre Swift yesterday. He's balling right now. He's balling. You look at qualified running backs. There are 33 running backs with 70 carries on the year. DeAndre Swift's 4.7 yards per carry is sixth. He is fourth in yards per route run. He's got six touchdowns so far on the year. And I'd be pretty surprised if he's not finished the year with double digit touchdowns. That is fucking incredible for a rookie. I love that. And you look at the rest of the season schedule. This is what excites me as well. You look at the rest of the season schedule for DeAndre Swift. Next week, it's Carolina, Houston, Chicago, Green Bay, Tennessee, Tampa Bay. So he's got two tough matchups in there, but four out of the next six games are 
ceiling, ceiling type possibility games for DeAndre Swift, okay? Carolina, fourth most fantasy points allowed to the running back position. Houston, second most fantasy points allowed to the running back position. Green Bay, third. Tennessee, seventh. Chicago's 22nd. Tampa Bay is 27th. So those two, again, are tough, but pretty fucking friendly overall when you look at it. And my rest of season rank for DeAndre Swift, again, you can get the rest of season rookie or the rest of season running back rankings along with the dynasty and rookie rankings. Patreon.com forward slash BDGE. Okay. 15. I actually think I moved him up to 14 before I took the screenshot, but it's all fucking gravy for Mr. Swift. It's all gravy. Speaking of Thanksgiving. So, titty or committee? DeAndre Swift smucks fucking sucking that whole titty. All of it. There's no more committee there in Detroit. Now, Chargers, Dolphins. What happens here? What happens here? Titty, committee, Salvin Ahmed. Do we believe in him? We do now. I'm going to talk about him a little bit later when I actually dive into some some specific waiver wire pickups. But on the flip side, on the flip side, Kalen Balage, despite despite the rumors and the reports, Kalen Balage was not cut. Was not cut. And neither were most of y'all's balls because you have not bought the Manscaped fucking lawnmower 3.0. I love this fucking thing. It keeps me trimmed. It keeps me beautiful. And when my balls start to grow like Kalen Balage's practice squad problems, boom. This is what happens. We grab the lawnmower. It doesn't cut you. You've got ball cream and ball deodorant. This is the waterproof. I don't need, I don't need to pitch anything else besides you could take this in the shower with you and it will never cut you. That is it. It's the simplest way to keep yourself groomed as a male. Actually, it probably works well as a female too if you're okay having like half inch hair. Stop shaving. Stop shaving. Just outside of Manscaped sponsoring this video, stop shaving with a razor down by your nuts. You're out of your fucking mind. You're a psychopath if you do that, Okay. Lawnmower 3.0, available in a package deal. They got a great fucking package going on, manscaped.com. Manscaped.com, when you use the promo code BDGE when you sign out, 20% off and free shipping. Shower, cut, clean, we're out. Kalen Balaj, shower, cut, clean, 18 carries, 68 yards, catches five balls on six targets, 34 yards, goes over 100 yards of scrimmage. Again, another big game from Kalen Balaj. Justin Jackson on the IR. Josh Kelly fucking stinks. Troy Main Pope. Uh, what the fuck happened to Troy Main Pope? Did he not play at all? Once he got called up, he just didn't play? I didn't actually watch this game. Did he get hurt? Or am I just a fucking fool? Looks like I'm just a fucking fool and you're catching me in uh, not a good moment. Not a good production moment for Nicholas right now. But Kalen Balaj looks to be the fucking truth back there, I guess, until... Austin Eckler's bike. I know a lot of people getting excited about Austin Eckler. He's posting. He'll be back soon. But he also said like week 13 might be a realistic approach or a realistic uh, return timetable. So we still got some time. So for right now, both of these guys, Kalen Blage, Salvin Ahmed, seem to have control of their backfields. And those are backfields that you want a part of. Okay. Those are backfields that you want a part of. So committee or titty. It's titty for Balazs until Eckler's back, and it is titty for Salvin Ahmed until um, until Eckler uh, until uh, Miles Gaskin is back, and I do think it becomes his role once again, Gaskin's role as the workhorse when he does get back. Then we have Fournette, and we have Ronald Jones. Snacks just texted me saying he got a concussion, got a big time concussion, kind of pumped about it. <laughs> Hold on, I need to follow up on this shit. 
We don't you don't get breaking news like this anywhere else. I feel like he's just wildly hungover. And he has a really bad headache and he's telling us he's concussed. No way. He said, I really did. I fell off my bed last night and cranked my head. I'm going to ask him what symptoms he has. This is the best thing I've heard all day. I hope he can't come and film Fade the Public with us. That'd be fucking amazing. Puking, head throbbing. Yeah, that sounds like a, a hangover snacks. Do you normally puke when you fucking have a concussion? We need to put snacks in the blue tent. I don't know. You guys believe snacks? You think he really got conked up or you think he just has severe hangover? I legit crushed my head at 4 a.m. <laughs> yeah, he his the Giants are like a really a on <laughs> my nice. The Giants are a really big a big problem for Snacks' health. Like really big, especially on game on on, on days that they win. On days that they win, I feel like he probably gets concussed more often than he doesn't. Good for snacks. All right. Well, we got someone concoed on the BDG team. The uh, the correct fill-in for snacks, the handcuff waiver wire pickup you want to make is Stevie One Chains. If you can't film with us tomorrow, we'll get Stevie on. What else do we got here, Titty or Committee? Oh, Rojo and Leonard Fournette. Yeah, so I tweeted, uh, I tweeted something in the beginning of the game when like Ronald Jones got like his first handful of carries, you know, his first like seven or eight carries. And I was like, yo, Bruce Arians is straight up living in the movie 50 first dates where he starts off a game every single time being, uh, he needs to be re-shown the fact that Ronald Jones is going to go like eight for 24 to start the game every single time. And then he realizes what he has to do. And then, of course, Ronald Jones breaks away that 98-yard touchdown run. I look like a fucking asshole. Although what I said was factual, like every single game, Ronald Jones starts off 8 for 28. And I didn't say he stinks. It was just stating big fucking facts, which is what we do over here. Rojo ends up popping off like a buck 90. Now, the question is, the same question that we've had literally every fucking single week, can you trust him? No. And that's a sickening, sickening thing that you can't trust the guy who just ran for 190 yards. Like Leonard Fournette is still getting more targets. He is still running more routes. He is still plenty involved inside the 10-yard line, inside the five-yard line. You you just literally never know what you're going to get. So unless they're playing a team like the Panthers where, you know, you're not sure which guy is going to get it, but collectively between the two of them, someone's going to fucking eat. I don't know how you feel confident is still rolling either of those guys out as anything more than a flex. Um, so it's a damn shame. Rojo looked good. I'm pretty sure he's like third in the NFL right now in total rushing yards, which a 200 yard game is obviously going to fucking do that for you. But like, it just, it, listen, when someone shows you who you are, when so, when someone shows you who they are, when someone shows you their coaching style, 
fucking believe them, okay? And I'm I'm choosing to believe what Bruce Arians will continue to do so going forward. So Rojo, yeah, like I'm still not confident. They play the Rams next week, which is a really, really tough matchup against opposing running backs. They have allowed the 30th, 30th or the third fewest most fantasy points. That didn't even fucking make sense. 30th or third fewest fantasy. I said third, third fewest most. I love that. Third fewest fantasy points. A lot to running backs over the last five weeks. So, like, do I trust Rojo next week? Probably fucking not. He'll probably be ranked as, like, running back 25, 27 or some shit. You hate to see it. You hate to see it. What else do we got? Uh, what other committees can we possibly talk about? I'm not really about to talk about Indy. Like, we knew Jonathan Taylor wasn't going to be good. Jordan Wilkins is whatever. Like, you need a, a probably a lucky touchdown for him to be relevant. Naeem Hines just does this every other week. Uh, it's going to be a hot hand approach. I don't really want to start anyone in the Colts. Bike field. We can talk about the Packers for a second, man. I thought that something happened to Aaron Jones in the middle of the game because Jamal Williams was getting a shitload of work. But like this is this is very much a, kind of a committee here in Green Bay. Still doesn't mean like Aaron Jones is not a top five fantasy running back going forward. But like again, we saw a lot of drives that were just Jamal Williams drives yesterday. And uh, it's clear that the Packers like to use him, especially in certain situations. He's a guy that can do it on all three downs too. Like Jamal Williams is a good pass catcher. He's a good runner. Like he's just a good all around solid running back. So that'll continue to be the case. And again, that doesn't like mean anything with Aaron Jones. I'm not worried about it. It was just, you know, I mean, he still ended up coming near a hundred yards from scrimmage. He just didn't get in the end zone. So uh, none of the, none of the running backs got in the end zone. It just happened to be a day where he threw the ball a lot. It was really, really shitty weather. So again, I'm not taking too much away from this. But, like, maybe I'd rather own a guy like Derrick Henry now, whose playoff schedule is fucking beautiful. But, you know, Aaron Jones, a 200-yard game is totally not out of the realm of possibilities for that man. Next segment. Welcome, bike. Welcome, bike. Welcome, bark. Welcome, bark. Where's the fucking audio I uploaded last week? I had a theme song for Welcome, Bike, and I don't know where, where it went. I'm going to find it for you, though. Best believe. Is this it? Is this it? I got too many files on my damn computer. Welcome bike, welcome bike, welcome bike. Welcome you know what I realized? Like literally just right now, like every time I try to do like a singing voice and obviously I'm fucking around at the end where I'm like, bike. I think I try to emulate SpongeBob when they're delivering that pizza. Like the crusty. I feel like a song can't go wrong when you emulate SpongeBob doing that shit. It's fucking slaps every time. 11 out of 10 slaps. What else we got here? Uh, Welcome bike. Nick Chubb. Welcome fucking bike. 19 carries, 126 yards in a, in a fucking tug. Goes out of bounds at the one yard line. On a 60-yard run at the end of the game to ice the game. Todd Gurley looking at him sideways like, you know, I would have pretended I didn't know I didn't need to fucking score. And I went into the end zone anyways. My selfish ass wants touchdowns. And I want to hit my fucking incentive money. Piece of shit, Todd Gurley. Nick Chubb, team player. Already got his, already ate. I feel bad for y'all that needed that Chubb touchdown. Listen, guy's a team player. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? 9 for 126. Uh, Kareem Hunt played really well too, though. 19 carries also, 104 yards, caught three... Uh, three passes, 28 yards. 
And this was expected given the weather and given the fact that they're just a run heavy team that they were going to keep, you know, 38 carries between the two of them, you know, 40 plus touches, the two of them. Um, the weather was shit. So we knew that was going to happen again. Uh, not to keep plugging this shit, but on the texting, uh, on the text message, I, I texted y'all the weather updates on Sunday morning. So I will continue to do so. I'll text you out the website that has really good weather updates. So y'all know which games are going to be affected through here. 646-328-6601. 646-328-6601. Text me and I'll hit you up with the weather updates on Sunday mornings. So going forward uh, between Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, like I'll have Chubb ranked higher. And I had Chubb all the way up rest of the season rankings before he came back last week up at, I think, running back nine or running back eight. Like he was fully healthy from the, the knee injury. And I think both of them are like, Pretty much RB1s. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply that are going to see 16 to 20 touches a game, and uh, it'll be quite the juice. Welcome, Bike, to... I don't even know if I can really say this, but Miles Sanders, man. Another game in which he should have easily had 20-plus fantasy points. But good to see him, Bike, after missing three weeks. Clearly at 100%. Like, when you watch him play, he looks fantastic on the field. Like, if this offense wasn't so fucking anemic... He would be dominating right now in fantasy, and it is absolutely killing me. He he looks so good on the ground. When you watch him run, he just looks on another level compared to the other players on the field. Uh, goes 15 for 85 on the ground. He sees five targets, so another 20 opportunities for Miles Sanders. But Wentz is just overthrowing him, throwing fucking shit passes left and right, so he can't catch any of the damn balls. But over the last three games, over the last three games, 35 for 283 on the ground. That's over eight yards per carry. Eight yards per carry. That's against Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and the G-Men. Three good run defenses, if not two of the three great run defenses. Uh, of course, the killer in this one, which is why I didn't have the fantasy points, Boston Scott breaks away the big touchdown run, egregiously fucking stepped out of bounds at like the nine-yard line, and somehow they looked at the replay. You can clearly see he's out of bounds, and then they call it a touchdown anyways. to fucking beyond me. I don't, know, I, I don't know who's paying who. I don't know who's doing fucking unforgivable things behind the scenes there to get that fucking call. Who's playing against Miles Sanders in their fantasy matchup. It's ridiculous. And then you have Miles Sanders breaking away like a 20-yard run to get to the five-yard line. Comes out for a breather. Corey Clement vultures a goal line score. So should have been a, a much bigger game. I keep fucking saying that. I keep saying it because all these games should be fucking much bigger. Still got plenty of faith in Sanders going forward. He is healthy. That's a good thing. Again, 20 opportunities again. If anything, if anything... Luckwise starts to break in his favor, he's going to be fantastic down the stretch. Okay. And welcome, Bike, to Kenyon Drake. What a disappointing turn of events as someone who I went pretty deep on Chase Edmonds. 
I went deep on Chase Edmonds. I traded for him in a dynasty league. Drake misses like two weeks with a high ankle sprain, comes back and fucking takes over the starting job. It, like it couldn't have been a high ankle sprain if that if this is what we just saw from Kenyon Drake. It must have been a mid to low ankle sprain. I don't know if a mid ankle sprain is a thing, but whatever the fuck it was, it was not a high ankle sprain, okay? Because he looked better playing with a high ankle sprain than he did while he was healthy, okay? Gets a start against Buffalo. He fucks up multiple plays. He fumbles the ball, and Cliff just sticks to pushing the ball into his stomach. And he ran well. I, I don't blame him. 16 for 100 on the ground. It was basically his second good game on the ground. First one coming against a real shit Dallas defense. Uh, but they are at Seattle on Thursday night, and Kenyon Drake was obviously one of my biggest movers in my rest of the season running back rankings. They play Seattle on Thursday night, uh, which we will be live streaming for, by the way, with Snacks and Animals, as long as uh, Snacks has cleared the concussion protocol. We'll be live streaming for the Seattle-Arizona game downstairs in the headquarters, so you guys can come hang out with us on YouTube. But for me, in that matchup, it's tough. Still splitting touches with Chase Edmonds, obviously. I'm, I'm probably going to look at him as more to a mid to low running back, too. Um, probably in the RB18 to 22-ish range. Kind of where he was before the the injury. All right. What other random notes we got here? J.D. McKissick's got like 95 fucking targets. He just keeps getting targeted left and right. He's like... He had 15 on Sunday. He had 14 last week. He had 15 yesterday. Second among all... Running backs right now in the NFL behind Kamara, obviously, who's on pace for like 190 targets with 62. J.D. has got 62 targets on the year. And Alex Smith is probably the common denominator here. If you look at the A dot, the average depth of throw for Alex Smith, it's 5.3. By far and away the lowest among any qualified quarterback in the NFL right now. And that's not changing anytime soon. Smith is under center. He's dumping the ball off, okay? And they just don't trust Antonio Gibson that much in pass protection to leave him in on third downs and leaving him leave him in in passing situations. So it's going to continue to be J.D. McKissick. They get a juicy, juicy matchup against Cincinnati next week. Uh, so, I mean, this is probably not new to you guys, but he's going to be a really, really solid PPR flex play. And I will probably continue to roll him out in half PPR leagues as well. Let's talk about Mr. Deontay Johnson. Now, this was a huge game. I thought the weather was really supposed to affect this game a lot more than it did. But Big Ben comes out and just throws for about 8,000 yards, 8,000 touchdowns. But when we look collectively at what Deontay Johnson has done on the season, he's left two games, weeks three and five because of injury, played like 10 snaps in both of those games. So we want to discount those games from his stats. If you discount those two, the rest of the games that he's played, normal, full games, he is on pace for 16. No, of course he's on pace for 16 games if we're doing a fucking 16-game pace. He's on pace for 16 games, believe it or not. 165 targets, 96 receptions, 1,141 yards, and 10.7 touchdowns, okay? A lot of comparisons from DJ to Antonio Brown in terms of their similar play style, their stature, quick-footed, being able to gain separation, yada, yada, yada. And I thought it was just interesting looking down at Antonio Brown's numbers, right? His second year, this is Deontay Johnson's second year, 124 targets, 69 catches, 1,100 yards, two touchdowns. And you look at the, you know, the remainder of the years, like DJ so far at this point, in his career has been better than AB. We'll see what happens for the rest of his career. But DJ is a guy that I certainly want to own. Uh, he's, he is the Steelers wide receiver that I want to own despite big days from Juju Claypool. Uh, I mean, they're all three of them are guys that you want to own at this point in the season. Cause Ben's playing so fucking hot. Steelers offense is bumping. James Conner can't do a goddamn thing on the ground. So I think all three of them are, are pretty much like at least wide receiver twos, uh, Claypool, maybe I'll, 
I don't know. The volume's not necessarily always there for Claypool, but they're I fucking that's that's a lie. The volume's there for all of them every single game, and they they all look really really fucking good right now. Okay, so I talk about Salvin Ahmed earlier on in the video. Definitely a guy that you guys want to be looking to pick up. They made Jordan Jordan Howard a healthy scratch, despite not having Miles Gaskins, despite not having Matt Breda active. So Ahmed was the big time player in their backfield. They even made Patrick Lair active for the first time in forever fucking days, weeks, years. Ahmed played on 80% of the snaps, but he got almost every running back touch. Uh, 21 carries, 85 yards on the ground, and a touchdown. I think he got one target which, you know, I think Malcolm Perry was the other running back. Maybe the other ones probably got a target or two. But if we've learned anything from the Dolphins situation this year, specifically with Miles Gaskin, is that when they find a guy they like and that they trust, they are feeding that guy the ball, okay? 20 carry games out of this backfield are not fluky. We've we've been proven that with Miles Gaskin, and I think that's going to be the case with Salvin Ahmed going forward, Okay. I'm also done saying like, yeah, Matt Breida might come back next week. Like, yeah, he might come back. He might not. He also might get like two carries. Like we say, I'm done with the storyline of Matt Breida might come back and eat into someone's fucking workload. I don't care. Miles Gaskin is on the IR through at least week 11, which means they're definitely not going to have him next week. But that also doesn't mean he's going to be back for week 12. It means the earliest he can return is week 12. So if he's back, yeah, I'd rather own Gaskin. But Salman Ahmed's going to see a shitload of touches. And this is, again, no longer a team that you don't want any piece of the backfield in which is craziness. Crazy how, how, how quickly they have swapped things. Um, Tua looks fucking fantastic. And the team is bumping and the team is rolling and Miami's got to be fucking going nuts right now. Cam Akers is another guy I want to stash, if you have room. He, uh, he out-touched Henderson and Malcolm Brown in this one. Ten touches. Henderson and Brown both had eight. It's still very, <laughs> still very messy. Still super messy. And we don't know on a given day who's going to catch passes. We don't know on a given day who's going to get the goal line work. But Akers looked good. And it just seemed like McVay had more trust in him in this one. And I feel like that might be the case going forward. And they want to see what they have down the stretch with Akers. So he's a stash right now. He's a stash. McVay said in the summer it was going to be a committee. And he's stuck with that. So, um, We'll see. We'll see. I'm not I'm not getting too excited. He's not going to be a guy I'm starting next week or anything. But uh, it's a little concerning as a Henderson owner for sure. I still don't know or believe. The fact that he sat out practice one of the days this week lets me know that he probably wasn't 100% yet. So we'll see if that plays any part of it. Like next week, if Darrell Henderson gets 13-14 and Cam Akers gets 8, I'm not going to be surprised. But I, th- I think Cam Akers is definitely someone to stash if you have room. Same thing with Devontae Booker, man. Big game again yesterday, and he's clearly the handcuff to Josh Jacobs now. For a while, I wasn't really sure if it was Booker or Jalen Richard, but he's he's shown that he's the superior back there and the guy that they're going to give the workload to if Josh Jacobs goes down. Of course, you're not going to be able to start him. Um, but this is the time of the year when you need to be stashing the RB1s if the RB1 goes down, right? And Jacobs has one of the heaviest workloads in the NFL. 182 carries right now, only trailing Derrick Henry. And when you, you know... You, he actually, this was super surprising. That's another thing I tweeted out before. Make sure you're following me on Twitter at Nick underscore BDGE and all the socials are linked down there or whatever, whatever, whatever. Jacobs has more receptions this year than James Conner, Kareem Hunt, and Dalvin Cook, which is crazy. 
That is crazy. And it, it doesn't, it's not even really saying Jacobs has been good in the passing because he hasn't been. He's not really getting that much volume. But I guess it's more of a wake up like James Conner, Kareem Hunt, and Dalvin Cook are just not catching that many passes, huh? But he has more, Josh Jacobs has more receptions than those three guys. I know Dalvin Cook missed some time, but like he's Dalvin fucking Cook. Should have like 50 passes by now. It's wild to me. So right now, Jacobs is on pace for 323 overall carries, 364 overall touches. He's a tough dude, but you know, he gets banged up pretty easily. He doesn't really miss time that often, but he takes a beating. So just like why you hold on to a guy like Jamal Williams, or just like why you hold on to the Duke Johnsons and the Geos, like they have really, really big upside on your bench, as opposed to guys who are like middling wide receiver threes that you may or may not ever be able to start. But those, these are like handcuff championship league winning type upside guys. Smash the fucking thumbs up button. If you're enjoying the ratio fucking stinks right now. I haven't even looked at it. I have no idea. 450 people in here. 84 thumbs up. It's disgraceful. I'm embarrassed. I'm not here drinking fucking apple juice, working hard. Can't even get a thumbs up. Wildly disrespectful. I like how every time I say to like just scroll down and hit the thumbs up button, the thumbs down button always goes up too in coordination with it. You love to hear it. You love to hear it. Okay. Um... What else were we talking about? Who else can we pick up? So we have Salvin. We have Cam. We have Devontae Booker. Uh, Jalen Rager looked good. He's getting a lot of targets. So he's definitely someone you want to be stashing right now. Let's look at week 11 in terms of defenses and who could be available on the wire. And I have a pretty simple formula for this. If you guys have been following me for a while, you've probably heard this before. If you're streaming a defense, you want a defense playing at home. You want a defense favored to win the game per Vegas, and you want a low over-under. If it's a high over-under, that's okay. But the higher the over-under, the bigger the point spread you want them to be favored as a winner. Okay? That's that's a very easy formula if you're trying to decide between two. Anytime a defense is on the road, I typically stay away from them unless they're massive favorites. But if you look at home, home games, teams favored, it's just usually a good formula for success when it comes to streaming defenses. And you can find all that information, literally just go on Google and type in like DraftKings Sportsbook or FanDuel Sportsbook. You don't have to sign up for an actual account or like put money on it. You can look at all the spreads for free. So let's look at week 12. Projected who we got. Dallas versus Washington. Yeah, like the I, there's, okay, there's that formula and then there's like tiebreakers. If you're just a fucking terrible defense in real life, I don't want to start you. Dallas being one of them. Miami at the New York Jets. See, that's one where you can kind of misconstrue the rules a little bit because Miami has been great on defense. Uh, and now they get to play the Jets who have been horrible on offense. I don't really care if Sam Darnold's coming back because Adam Gase is still there. Uh, so Miami, although they are on the road, I want to check out the lines if they have them up right now. They probably don't have it up for this one yet because they don't know if Sam Darnold's playing or not. Game line. Let's see. Uh, they nope. Miami versus Denver. Am I looking at the wrong week? Oh, I did week twelve projections, not week eleven. Silly me. Los Angeles Chargers versus New York Jets. Okay, that is one we want a part of. The Chargers versus the Jets. They are eight point favorites. Forty seven and a half point over under. That is juicy. They're only rostered in forty two percent of leagues. You want to pick their asses up asap. Pittsburgh, you ain't picking them up. Minnesota. Not the worst streamer this week, I suppose, or next week. 
Uh, they're not a bad streamer for Monday Night Football, I don't think, either, because they're going against fucking Nick Foles. Uh, but they play Dallas at home next week. So playing Dallas at home, I don't know if they're going to have Andy Dalton yet because he actually tested positive. So he was missing last week's game on the COVID list. And yeah, they don't have it listed because they don't know if Andy Dalton's going to be playing yet. But obviously, if Andy Dalton's not playing, I mean, honestly, at this point, their backup might be better than Andy Dalton. So I think Minnesota's a decent streamer for next week. Miami plays at Denver, not bad. Washington versus Cincinnati. I don't know why something in my gut, like Washington hasn't looked great on defense the last couple of weeks. Zero fantasy points against Detroit, five the week before that. Uh, their defense has been a little sus lately. And I don't know. I don't really want to bet against Joe Burrow. Not that he's been fantastic or like taking care of the ball fantastically, but uh, he's got a ceiling. And I don't necessarily love playing against uh, players that have ceilings like that. Who else we got? Who else we got? I think... Uh, What's the line on Cleveland versus Philly? Do they have that up yet? Cleveland, three and a half point favorites at home against Philly. I That's not, you know, three three points is, is the point differential they give you when you're playing at home. It, it's basically saying if you were at a neutral field and the line was minus three or plus three, that means it's a, it's a, an even pick em game if you're playing on a neutral field. So um, this means that they don't really have much confidence in Cleveland. And I don't really have much confidence in Cleveland, but where you can take advantage of things is looking at the offensive line versus defensive line. And uh, like Miles Garrett might legitimately have seven sacks in this game, which will lead to a lot of points. And Carson Wentz fucking stinks. So um, I don't hate Cleveland either as a streamer. What else do we got? Let's jump into the chat. Positive COVID test equals out for two weeks. Okay. Is that, I thought you just had to test negative five times in a row. What websites do you use to research? All right. So for that, the point spreads, like I just said, um, just go on to Google and type in, go on to Google and type in uh, FanDuel Sportsbook or DraftKings Sportsbook, and you'll be able to find the lines under, you'll be able to find the lines under their website. Jordan Howard got released. Okay. Makes sense. They clearly have no fucking room for him on their team. I can't wait till the Eagles fucking sign Jordan Howard and use him and just absolutely ruin Miles Sanders. Trade C-Mac for Sanders. Yeah, I, I would definitely trade C-Mac for Sanders right now. Again, guys, like C-Mac's going to be out this week. I, he'll probably be out week 12, then they have a bye week 13. And by that point, who knows if they're going to want to suit him back up. Close contacts equals five negative tests. Okay, so he's out for two weeks. Okay, so back up, back up, quarterback. You want it. You want it. Uh, James Conner. Move down my rest of the season rankings a little bit. He just hasn't been that good lately. Thoughts on Devontae Parker? I still like Devontae Parker. I, th- I mean, it was a tough matchup getting getting shadowed yesterday against the Chargers. But, um, I mean, he also had a fucking amazing one-handed grab that got called out of bounds that I thought could have possibly been a touchdown. But uh, lighter matchups are on the way for the Dolphins and Devontae Parker. And two is playing well. So they got the Broncos, the Jets, the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Pats, the Raiders. That's, that's his remaining schedule. So I like Devontae Parker. I think he's probably a buy low, to be honest. Skirt. What else are we doing? Do you think Hines and Pittman are good signings for the week? Yeah, I, I, oh, Hines not necessarily. I'm just never going to have confidence in Naeem Hines in my lineup. Just because he'll, you know, every other game is like three for 12. And then you just have to sit with that. Um, in terms of Pittman, yeah, Pittman is is that a little bit of an oversight for me. 
a little bit of an oversight by me because they played on Thursday. But yeah, Pittman's certainly a guy that needs to be picked up in your league if you're looking for a wide receiver. When is wide receiver rest of season rankings? Uh, so right after I get off this, I'm going to start working on the wide receiver rest of rankings video or the wide receiver rest of rankings overall. I'll paste those on Patreon as soon as I'm done with them. I'm going to try to get the write-up done and do research for the actual video and, re and record it and edit it by tonight to have it up for tomorrow. But I think it'll be up by tomorrow. I'm just not sure if it'll be on my normal 5 a.m. schedule. So bear with me. We obviously always get a lot. I got a lot going on from Sunday, Monday into Tuesday. So I'm going to try to have that done by on on YouTube done for y'all wide receiver rest of rank uh, rest of season rankings video um maybe noon one o'clock tomorrow and uh and in that video I will I'll, I'll talk about my biggest risers and fallers within the running back position as well Toby super chat thank you sir very kind of you uh Jacobs and Thielen for Hunt and A-Rob uh I I think that's I think it's a super lateral move, to be honest. Like, I want to say Jacobs and Hunt are like running back nine and ten for me in my rest of the season rankings, and then Thielen and A Rob are probably around the same spot. I'm it, it, depending on whatever side you have, I probably just hold steady. I don't think there's a clear winner, and I don't just like to trade for the sake of of uh, of trading. Uh, I am a little bit concerned with Adam Thielen, though. We'll see how the games play out tonight, but. I want to see the, the rest of season schedule for Thielen. I think it's pretty f shitty. At Chicago, they get Dallas, Carolina, Jacksonville. Okay, never mind. They get really nice matchups then, but then they got a really tough playoff schedule. Tampa Bay, Chicago, New Orleans. New Orleans is actually not that tough. Um, but Dallas, Carolina, Jacksonville, that's kind of beautiful. Let me look at A-Rob. A-Rob gets Minnesota. He still has his bye, and then he's going to get shadowed by Jerry Alexander in week 12. Detroit, Houston, Mini, Jacksonville. Wow. That's a really fucking nice schedule, too. Um, I'm probably going to go ahead and take the Thielen side. I will probably take the Thielen side there. I have J I think I have Jacobs a little bit above Hunt, and I'll have Thielen a little bit above A-Rob. Thoughts on Jacoby Myers. Yeah, I mean, that, can that, that can't be overlooked, I guess, now at this point. Uh, what do you do? What do you do receiving-wise in this game? I feel like no one caught any fucking balls in this one, but he did throw for the fucking touchdown, of course, to ruin my goddamn day because I have Cam Newton going. Oh, I'll give you guys an update on the E-Town get-down matchup as well. Let me pull up the screenshot for y'all. Where are you? Do-do-do. Shoo-ba-doo-bop. So this is giving me a fucking heart attack. Like I'm actually in a fucking match with animal right now. Who's Owen nine. So Tannehill just started off with the terrible mojo going into the week. I just had no players really do well. Fuller playing in that shitty weather. Hawkinson was a dud. Miles Sanders should have went over 20. Darrell Henderson stunk. Green Bay couldn't stop the Jacksonville fucking offense. Who's led by Jake Luton. Which is an ugly, ugly, ugly game all around. So I'm up 20, 20.4 20 or something like that. 20 to 21 points. I got Thielen tonight. He's got Kirk and Darnell Mooney. So I feel good, but like Darnell Mooney scares me because he's one of those guys. Like he beats the defenders deep like every play. So if Nick Foles just uncharacteristically throws one accurate deep ball to Darnell Mooney, that's like, you know, 13, 14 points right there. And before you know it, now it's a real game. 
And the deciding factor will be, you know, if Kirk throws one or two touchdowns, do they go to Thielen or not? So while I feel good, I don't feel that fucking good. I don't feel like th- this sucks. I like going into Monday Night Football knowing that I don't actually have to watch Monday Night Football. But now I'm going to have to watch Monday Night Football, be anxiety ridden and watch the game and be fucking upset and be like, you fuck this. I want to go to sleep. It's 1130 on a Monday night. Like, I just want to close my eyes, but I can't because they're on the last drive and I'm up by one and Kirk Cousins is going to throw the ball. But is he going to throw the ball at Adam Thielen or is he going to throw the ball to fucking Justin Jefferson? Is Dalvin Cook going to run for 49 yards? Dude, I don't fucking know. That That's how these games, this fucking, I, I hate fantasy football. I really do. I really don't like it. I really don't like it. If I lose the fucking animal right now and give up his winless season, like I think I'm going to quit doing fantasy football stuff. That's a fucking very real possibility. Oh boy. We're rooting for animal. Everyone's rooting for animal. Everyone roots for the underdog. No pun intended. Fuck that. I'm not rooting for animal. And only my vote counts. really ironic guy named great opinion says meh that's a terrible opinion hey nick what moves do you recommend for a non-contender in dynasty uh a non-contender this is right at the time of the year where you want to start trading your older veteran assets to the competing teams and either grab young guys or grab picks like if you have um uh, a lot of guys that are going to be performing well right now and maybe they have another year left are guys that you kind of want to get off your team. Uh, like, for instance, like Julio. Julio is a guy that you almost definitely want to part ways with right now if you can and give him up to a contender. The, the beautiful part about Dynasty at this time of the year, like other times of the year, everyone's just trying to fucking, you know, finagle people during trades and everyone wants to win the trades. But this is a time of the year where contenders and non-contenders can actually have a trade where the value on both sides is perfectly even. Like you could be like, I have no use for Julio Jones. That does not make him a useless player for you, but you just don't have use for him. So you can give Julio Jones to someone and they're getting a lot of value from that. And they'll give you a pick where they're competing right now. They don't need the pick, but they need Julio vice versa. So trade talks are much easier at this point in the year. So you're going to want to start looking at guys who are getting a little bit up there in age, like the Julio Jones, like the Adam Thielen's, um, I mean, depending on, you know, who you actually have on your roster, but that's the overall advice I'd give right now. This is probably the best time of the year to make dynasty trades because nobody's hostile. No one's trying to be a cunt and, and, and finagle you for everything that you have. Nick, I'm down 0.5. He has no players left. I got two, A-Rob with a questionable tag and Rudolph. Do I cut Rudolph to get an early jump on the wire? I would I would say no. I would say no because you just never know what the fuck's going to happen. What if Allen Robinson is just randomly ruled out, right? We've had weirder things happen where guys are like probable all week and then they're ruled out or like suffer a pregame setback or, you know, anything could fucking happen. He could test positive for COVID today and we don't know about it till later. So I would not drop Rudolph hoping that A-Rob gets that done for you. Better. Might as well just give yourself two two chances. Plus, fucking points, baby. Unless there's someone like really, really good on the waiver wire that you can grab right now, which I don't think you can because waiver wire shouldn't be open right now, but y'all know what I'm saying. Skirt. Denver Bikefield. Yeah, okay. So Denver Backfield, 
Um, Denver backfield is shit, man. That's it's it's almost like, yeah, it's really really tough to decipher. Where at least like you know when you look at a backfield like the Cardinals, like Drake or Edmonds, at least you know you're getting production from that backfield. But like with Denver, as we saw on Sunday, I mean Philip Lindsay two fucking yards. That's tough. So I don't feel confident starting either of them. I'll have Melvin Gordon. I, I keep saying like everyone keeps saying like Melvin Gordon's getting the volume, myself included. But like, is ten carries, twelve carries really volume if you're not catching passes and getting shit done? So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm probably just trying to stay away from that Denver backfield altogether. Rest of season, you can definitely give me Melvin Gordon, but like, he's not going to be anything more than a shaky flex play at this point. What's Travis Kelsey's worth? Not dynasty. Uh, I'm 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 just trying to fucking hold on to Kelsey. I would I'm not trying to trade Kelsey. He's just dominating the tight end landscape i do want to talk about kelsey dynasty wise too because i touched on like getting rid of julio and Thielen and these guys whose values are going to go down i listen i know i know there's something to be said about age and shit travis kelsey has moved back up to my dynasty tight end one okay travis kelsey my tight end he is legitimately a difference maker and consistently every single fucking week at that position i know we all like george kittle because he's younger he's more explosive the guy can't stay on the field number one Number two, he is inconsistent when he's when he's on the field. Like Kelsey is is the center of that offense. As good as Tyreek Hill is, as good as the running backs usually perform under Andy Reid, like that offense runs through Travis Kelsey. And I know he's old, but he hasn't dealt with that many injuries throughout his career. They gave him the extension. So at worst, he's going to be with Patrick Mahomes as the center of that offense for the next two, three. I don't even remember when the contract was through, maybe four or five years. So if you're going to tell me we got Kelsey's five years running tight end one. You're going to tell me we're getting the tight end one again for another three, four years, even if Kittle overtakes him for one of those years? Like, I, I don't know. Like, the the consistency and the ability to stay on the field for Kelsey, I think, overmatches the potential theory of Kittle o- like jumping over him just because of the age thing. I'm definitely in the minority there. I don't think most people have Kelsey over Kittle and Dynasty, but, like, sometimes I just give me the fucking sure production there, man. I don't want to think too hard about it. So with that being said, probably holding on to Kelsey. Unless you could flip him for like a, maybe you could flip Kelsey for, you have another tight end behind him. Like you can get a Will Fuller and you can get a a solid running back one. If something like that can happen, I think Kelsey's worth moving if you need depth at the other positions. But like, I'm not trading him just for the sake of trading him, you know? You know what I'm saying? Um, is there any young tight end who could be the next Kelsey? I mean, Hawkinson for sure. Hawkinson is fantastic in the passing game. He can make plays after the catch. Their offense is clearly not centered around him though. Um, I think like Jonu Smith is wildly athletic and I wish they like game planned him the ball a little bit more. Still love Darren Waller, but Carr does not really throw the ball downfield right now. Still getting a ton of volume. Um, Mark Andrews is a really interesting one. I, I definitely don't think it falls on him. I think it's just that offense and Lamar Jackson, but you know, that, that is what it is. And, uh, Noah Fant obviously has a ton of explosion and should be pretty fucking good as long as he's on the field. But, uh, Drew Locke kind of stinks half the time. 
McLaurin or A-Rod PPR rest of the season? Oh, I'm definitely taking McLaurin. There are like not a lot of guys. That is so fucking crazy that that is so crazy that McLaurin is performing this well with the quarterback situation he's in. Like imagine McLaurin in the situation of like almost any other fucking wide receiver. It's incredible. McLaurin is on pace for like 155 targets, over 100 catches, I think 101 catches, and 1,400 or 1,500 yards. It's insane. What do you think about Mooney, Judy, and Balage full PPR going forward from Steven? Uh, <clears throat> so I think, I mean, I think that um, Balage, yeah, I mean, Balage is going to be the guy in that backfield until Eckler is back. So I think he's actually probably a, a pretty solid RB2 going forward until, you know, week 13, week 14. So he could be a really nice play for you for a couple of weeks. Judy is not a guy, Judy, I've, I have trouble having any sort of confidence in. Because it seems like he just keeps getting his points in garbage time and against shitty defenses. But, you know, if that's going to be the case, I mean, he's a great route runner and he keeps getting open, but Drew Locke can't deliver him the ball. So he, I, I look at Judy as as like a wide receiver three. But he's starting to get a nice floor. He's getting a lot of targets, getting a lot of looks and producing on it. So, yeah, he's, he's like a, an okay mid to low wide receiver three for me. Mooney's below that. Mooney's just – Mooney's awesome. He's so much fun to watch. But, like, how much confidence can you have in a guy that Nick Foles is throwing the fucking ball to? So Mooney's a guy that I'd like to have, but like unless you're a fucking animal, like you're probably not starting Darnell Mooney. Do I pick up Gallman? Oh, absolutely. Gallman, like if Gallman is available on your wire, he's probably the number one guy. Gallman's looked fucking fantastic. I can't imagine. Let me actually check. Is Gallman, did I just overlook that and Gallman's actually available to a lot of you guys? Because if that's the case, I mean, he is. He's rostered in 50% of leagues, so he's kind of still widely available. Last four games, his half PPR points, 13.9, 12.7, 14.2, 18.5. They get a bye, then they get Cincinnati. Uh, Devonta Freeman, I believe, still has to be out for one more game, if not two. I doubt they even really use him down the stretch. Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland. Yeah, Wayne Gallman definitely needs to be picked up if he's there on your wire. MT update. I mean, listen, I I can't really tell you anything that y'all don't know. He's, he's not injured. He's playing, but the offense just does not revolve through MT anymore. It goes through Alvin Kamara and like Taysom Hill at this point. If Drew Brees is out, I don't even want to say it's an upgrade for Michael Thomas with uh, with with uh, with Jameis Winston. Like I said in the beginning of the video, now where Drew Brees is normally like a ninety eight percent player, like Jameis Winston is probably going to be off the field on eighty or twenty percent of the snaps, which means lower for Michael Thomas. They're going to run the ball more if Winston's under center. I just I don't know. Ooh, my throat fucking hurts. <clears throat> what else we got? Uh, we got a lot of new... I always get... I always get nervous when I go on Twitter and see like 30 notifications because it's just going to be like four of them being a cunt no no one no one being wildly disrespectful
Okay. What are we doing? What are we doing? Sam Donald out again. Is that a fact? Breeze has multiple fractured ribs and a collapsed lung per Shefty. Is that did that just come out? Let me see any breaking news. Sam Darnold will not play against the Chargers. Oh, that's beautiful. You need to get the Chargers wherever you can. Joe Flacco will start. Saints QB has multiple rib fractures on both sides of his chest and a collapsed lung on the right side per worker. Okay, but like how long, how fucking long is he going to be out? I don't got time to read shit and make a medical diagnosis, sir. I mean, I'm assuming... I'm assuming... He's going to be out for like three to four weeks, right? At least. I mean, a collapsed lung sounds pretty fucking bad. So, yeah, pick up Taysom Hill at tight end if your league allows it. Uh, obviously, Jameis Winston is someone you want to pick up. I'm just I'm just giving you the fair warning that I don't know how much flexibility they give Jameis Winston to really lead this offense. Okay, I'm probably going to bounce out of here. I got a lot of work to do. Got a lot of work to do. Great signing by the by the Saints, though, if you really think about it. Like, to get him for nothing, and now with Breeze Hurt, like, not having to resort to Taysom Hill, they would be like a poor man's Ravens offense. All right, I'm actually out. Hit that thumbs up button. Not welcome, bike. We're not bike. We're leaving. Um, hit the thumbs up button. I'm going to go work on my rest of season rankings. If you want the rest of season running back rankings, they're available on patreon.com forward slash BDGE. And make sure y'all support the sponsors of the show because by you supporting them, it supports me indefinitely. And Manscaped is one of them. Manscaped.com. Promo code BDGE will get you 20% off and free shipping. Shave your nuts in the shower. You'll never have to worry about that shit again. Don't make it complicated. It's easy. It's cheesy. I'm out here. If I could find the end button. Wow, we were on here for a long time, huh? Way too long. I'm fired. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.